Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. I can see your neighbor par- uh, parallel parking across the street. So I'm just they're having they're having that. trouble. They're having a you hard want, time. You want to go out there and help them? It's a no. tight good. street. You're, not, you're, you're good. Just, into their driveway. Why, you're good. Why don't you fucking go out there with some cones and be a fucking neighbor? Because I'm you're not good. that midwestern. Um, a well, neighbor, what, I. What uh, you don't I, have cones? You keep them by the door just in case. I, you, no, I don't have cones actually. Well, you should keep you should keep them on hand. It's actually very important for safety within a neighborhood. You know, the automobile causes more deaths per year than heart attacks and cancer combined. So you should really be more careful, especially you think you're safe in the home. Do you know how many people die in the home from automotive-related accidents every year? Like seven. That's not. That's way. It's way higher than that. I I, I will tell you now, the with the advent of attached garages, the dumbest idea ever. All right. It is very high. It's attached garages are a dumb idea until it's February. Fuck you! Trudge out to the fucking garage. Keep your fucking driveway shoveled. You fucking dude, animal. eat my shit. I've been parking in the street for like <laughs> fucking driveway. since I started to drive. Fuck all right. Hey. I've never had the convenience of a garage I could park in, let alone an attached one. I like I like a carport better than a garage. If if I could have a shed, I like a carport. Anyways, on with the nice. show. <clears throat> hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where the we three carports attempt to fill ourselves with the automobiles of truth and uh, drive those automobiles back out into the world and into your ears. My name is Justin St. Peter, and Jesus Christ, that's a terrible intro to my left. It's Colin Stanley, I'm the uh, storm glass mid-century modern carport that an orthodontist in West Bloomfield has to my left. Uh, my name's Tyler, and I'm the physical embodiment of a 1998 Integra with a giant turbo on it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that that's tracks. That's, that's that's, that's, that car sounds like a hairless dude with, with a gold chain. That's what I'm fucking talking about, boys. That sound, what year did you say that was? 1998. 1998. A 1998 Acura Integra. Yeah. Tyler, we need to get you like an all-white suit, pair of boat shoes. Yep. Deep, deep teal V. Okay. We'll get you working. All right. Get you driving do top down. Top down? Oh, top oh, down, chain out. We'll get you a thicker chain. I need to get... I, I wanna, do want a thicker I chain. Want, I want you to have a gold chain so thick that like it's the links are like individually heavy yeah they gotta be like pinky pinky you know it's gotta be like a chain of like like nba championship rings like i get like a uh hold on just thick as shit built for the fingers of men who are seven feet tall what size ring do you think Shaq wears i bet his fingers huge how many how many people's penises do you think are smaller than one of Shaq's fingers? Like I that? feel like that is brutally depressing, that image. Thirty percent of American males. Thirty percent? That's that's uh, my that's my guess. Yeah, something like that. Maybe a little bit I don't maybe not all the, the jewel. Yeah, I, see, I don't see you as a I don't see you as a diamond like if you're gonna have a diamond, you'd have like a single diamond earring. Or yeah, you'd yeah. have like a diamond pinky ring. Or but like, like not maybe on the like, chain. You want the chain to just be like Maybe you'd be one of those guys that they chew on a tie pin and it has a diamond in it. That would yeah. that's a hot look. You know what I think you do, Tyler's? I think you would do with like a braided gold chain. Where like I have the one. links are braided. 
Yeah. I have one. There you go. It's rose gold though. Yeah, and then you and then and then in your console you have a decanter of brandy and a gun. <laughs> and a, a little, a little no dangerous. Glass. No, it's a Taurus judge. Oh, it's a, it's a yeah, big boy. It's, yeah, so if, it's I, if I, if I blow my fucking brains out, it's well, gonna it's, be a mess. You're meant to kill anybody. It's that's a car. Gun. No, it it's has it has car. it has one bullet in it, and it's for me. Oh, for you just you keep, he fucking swigs all the brandy because there's no glasses in there. Just no, all keep the brandy. Just, just a slug loaded in that fucking thing. Christ. Yep. All right. So if Plus, I ever got to put that boy in my mouth, it'll sure fucking make a sound and a mess. All right. Well, speaking of Tyler's plans for the future, it's his episode this week. I always yep. wanted to paint my convertible red. <laughs> I always thought this interior would look better. <laughs> Good lord. Dude, I would, I would, I would let it, I would let it stain the car seats, and then I would get it cleaned, but I would keep the stains, and then I would, I would drive that car every day. So I know I told you guys that it was gonna be about the Remington faulty trigger on the the Remington Seven Hundred. Yeah. But, it's about something um, else. but I'm pulling the rug, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going for it. Are we uh, finally doing a episode. This is going to be a two, maybe three-parter on one of my favorite stories yes. ever, yes. Enron. Yes. Yeah, we're finally doing it. All right, mm. out of left field, we're mm. doing Enron. I, it, Enron. I I knew it's like, it's Enron or Raytheon. It had to be one of the two, and it's Mamma we, we can't. Uh, we're going to save Raytheon and the RX-9 for, like, episode 100 or something. Like, that's... Episode 69. Episode 69. We're almost there. I think this might be episode 69. Fucked with a knife. Uh, No, this is episode like 68, I thought. No, last episode was 68. Is it bad that none of us know that? Let me look it up. I don't fucking know. Yeah, no, this is episode 69. Oh, nice. Hey, hey, nice. Nice, fellas. Look at us. Three, so 69 attempts... 69 and 0. Look at us. Shooting shooting for 100. All right. So, everybody that is unaware, um, Enron was... I know my, my monitor looks like it's very close to me, but it's really not, I it, promise. Yeah, your positioning is really weird for your camera. Yeah, no. I love it. No, I love... I love it's like a behind-the-scenes view. It's the it's like the rule of three, but we only it feels, anyway. It, it feels it feels like I'm turning over my shoulder in uh, my MS office class in high school to talk to Tyler behind me. That's what it feels like. Cause I, I have to peer around a monitor to look at. It. Hey man. Hey bud, can you can you send me that that spreadsheet mock up? I did not do that. Yeah. Can How you? Do I, uh, can, uh, can you? A can Actually, you, uh... I was I was crushing in that class. I did I did all the homework like two or three weeks in advance. Uh, my teacher got so mad at me because I would just uh, play Halo all day. Nice. Can you uh, send me those uh, Man, TPS reports? Storm. Get those TPS reports by Monday. Oh, it's you know, the it's the color of a storm out there. Yeah, it's sure. orange outside. <laughs> I closed the blinds because I was getting scared. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, anyone that's unaware, Enron was a uh, energy. Started out as an energy company, um, buying and trading actual value of oil and natural gas, which then turned into speculation. Of course, could the natural progression of a capitalist market. So, uh, Enron was formed by a man named Kenneth Lay in 1984 after merging two powerhouse energy companies together, Houston Natural Gas and Internorth, which was a Nebraskan pipeline company as a result of federal deregulation of natural gas and oil companies. One of Ken Lay's good, good friends was the Bush family, especially when George W. Bush was the governor of Texas. When one of Enron's top executives left... Ken put together a video for him, which included both George H.W. and W. Bush. George W. Bush saying, quote, if I have one thing to ask you, don't leave Texas. And H.W. saying, you have been fantastic to the Bush family. I don't think anybody did more than you to support George. And that's a funny way of wording it. That's an incredible way of putting that. Because that definitely sounds like uh, uh, it's it's financial in nature 
Yeah, yeah. I, uh, weirdly I love, enough. I love the idea that, um, like, massive deregulation happens in an industry, uh, specifically fossil fuel industry, natural gas, oil, things like that. And uh, it immediately ends up as, like, a huge windfall for these this cast of fucking villains that we're so familiar with at this point. Yeah. Right? Yep. And, and it all comes back to George H.W. Bush. Well, and also, uh, that that bill that the Senate just passed, right? The, the mm-hmm. Climate Action Bill, mm-hmm. right? Oh, there is a huge portion of that bill that is all about deregulating uh, fossil fuel uh, production and fossil fuel shipping. Fantastic. Uh, so put all your fucking money into oil right now. Because that's what everyone in Congress is it's, doing. It's, but yeah, yeah, it, make a lot of money before we all die in fifty years. Basically, the the amount the amount uh, of incentive that they've offered to these these fossil fuel companies, and the amount that production is going to increase because or is projected to increase because of these incentives uh, and these subsidies that are being offered, basically, uh, and these deregulations that are occurring that allow them to do more, uh, basically, is going to wash all of the uh, carbon neutralization uh, that was in the act in the first place. So it's like basically nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, and I'm sure Nancy Pelosi is going to get super rich off this. Her oh, of course. Trading in fucking commodities. Like they're fucking these, they're like rock. It's wild. It's like robber baron shit that people in the Senate are doing where they're like, uh, Oh, and this is a piece of legislature about regulating, uh, you know, uh, stock options within Congress and like your ability to trade stocks when you have all this privileged information that you and people around you can take advantage of. Uh, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. We should be the people who get to decide that, of course. Yeah, we, we yeah. decide that. That's like when the, it's, it's like when the police investigate the police. Obviously, they did nothing wrong. Oh, no. Obviously, so, they're no... the, the most in, in uh, oh god, what's the word? Not integral. Qualified. Yeah, they're they're clearly the most qualified and the qualified. most honest people to look into the you know the work that they do and really just take an open eye and just just yep. self criticize. Hey, that's best. that's what college is all about. It's becoming qualified enough to become a white collar criminal. Exactly. So now, friend of the pod, Ronald Reagan sent the tone Stop. for shithead corporate overlords Come to take on. over the country. It's too late, Colin. This is the world that you, you helped say, create. You could say, like, Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle? You I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. If you can say Ben Roethlisberger We're not talking about Dan Quayle. Pod, Ronald Reagan is also a friend of the pod. Okay, well then... It's also, at least we would then get to face-fuck his wife. Oh, oh honestly, though? Young Nancy, Nancy the Throat Goat Reagan? Yeah. Do you get, would you guys, would you fuck Nancy, would you fuck Nancy Reagan? Yes! Now? Of course! Yes. Would you, would you r slash throat pie Nancy Reagan? It's, yeah, yes. yeah, as long as I could make Ron watch. I don't want him to watch. I don't want the president to see me come. I do. Anyway. I don't want him to have to I don't want the president to see my vinegar strokes because he's the most powerful man in the Western world and he can use that information against me. Please don't call them vinegar it's, strokes. It's like knowing ever your again. true name. Jesus please, Christ. please. What the hell okay. is wrong with you? I'm just okay. being honest. No, no. Okay, guy. Okay, we're coming back to it. We gotta get back to the damn Jesus show. fucking Christ. Ronald Reagan <laughs> set the tone for corporate shithead overlords to take over the country and helped Ken make the decision to make the murder. Uh, the merger. He didn't like directly help him, but like Ken was like, hey. It would be pretty fucking easy because there's no rules anymore. Just right. So, Enron first started out when George H.W. Bush helped send billions in government welfare, I mean subsidies, to help Enron get off the ground. Yeah, it's definitely not socialism for the rich. Yeah. You know. This is, yeah, well, yeah. It's, this, is the, this is the socialist equivalent of being like, they're, they're using their food stamps to buy steak and lobster. It's like they literally using are government subsidies too. They literally are fossil fuel extraction and speculation. No, the they're bastards. using they're using fucking corporate subsidies to pay for their steak and lobster that they charge to fucking expense accounts. It's hilarious because so, they, yeah, they they're literally it's all like you it's all projection. Politics is all projection because those yeah it's, you're exactly right. The same people who write off lunches and dinners and vacations on their taxes as business expenses 
are the same people who are like, you're a welfare queen. It's yep. like, come on, buddy. You're yep. the, if anybody here is on welfare. <laughs> yeah, it's you accepted how much money in subsidies last year? Well, yeah, exactly. well. So, um, I don't know how much you guys know about oil trading, but it is just basically gambling. Yeah, well, yeah, um, I mean, much like every other form of stock and yeah. future trading. Yeah. Um, it is a but, more but, consistently profitable form of gambling. It is a more consistently profitable, um, if you're right. If you're wrong, you will easily lose 10 to 20 times your investment. It's commodities, on it, man. Simply. Commo- commodities like, trading is like. It's it's like non day trading day trading. It's like yeah, but but oil is the most volatile market. Oil is the most cutthroat of pretty much any commodity, um, huh. and so far, yeah, so far we haven't you know we haven't seen if, what water. Yeah, I, I mean, say, honestly, water futures have only been on the market for a even little bit. even when we talk about like every like at this point you know I think like we we focus on like the really brutal stuff right like we talk about like cocoa right and the child yeah. slavery used to extract it we talk about oil and all the indigenous people who are just like fucking slaughtered to get at it but like most of these commodities are also like even like things that feel more innocuous like wheat uh or in most places corn like those aren't just showing up like somebody else yeah. is also being killed to get those things even if they don't yeah. feel as sinister yeah but so Basically, they're they're gambling on whether the price of oil would go up or go down, and they can either, you know, purchase actual stock in the commodities, or they can purchase options if they want to bet uh, on the price going down. So, early on, it started in 1984. Uh, 1987, they were already facing a scandal. No. Three years in, that's, that's uh, I mean, that's definitely not a record, but yeah. it's still quick. One of one of the issues that Enron had was they kind of went a little bit too hard, a little bit too fast, because they always seemed to get it right. They were never going down. They were just always going up. They were always getting it right. Yeah. Uh, oh, which yeah. caught the attention of the feds. Of course. So, one, yeah, one tip that came in, was uh, one of Enron's executives, a man named Louis Borget, took over $3 million from a corporate account and transferred it to his personal account, excuse me, which, through multiple offshore accounts and made-up ledgers, led to a mysterious Lebanese speculator whose name was Mr. M. Yass, and you can take a guess as to the joke they were trying to make there. My ass! My ass. Yeah, I know it's my ass. They fucking yep. my ass. As soon as you said mm, yes, I was like, mm, yes. 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 This was before Vine, so. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> let me have so, it. So, uh, Borgat and another trader exact who was implicated, a man named Damestrani, uh, went to Houston to be questioned by the board of directors where they gave uh, fake bank records to Enron and then admitted they misused public or uh, corporate funds for their own gain. Wow. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, we fucking did this. What do you want? Uh, uh, Then they told the founder of the company, Kenneth Lay, after multiple audits, the board of directors were like, hey, uh, this isn't good. See, Ken, this, this, this we think this problem, might be guys. bad. Yep, and Ken Lay knew full well about everything that these two guys did, including the daily destroying of trading records. The daily destroying yeah, every day, of trading every day records. they would shred everything. That's how so you, that's that how is you know, so I, intense. Compartmentalization. I love the idea that like <laughs> there's a company, and they're like. Why are we shredding all these papers every day? And they're like, don't fucking worry evidence. about it. Yeah, no, you're fired. How about that? You question it, you're not, you're fucking out. So, this led Ken Lay to do absolutely nothing because he knew full well that this was the only part of his entire operation that was actually making a profit. Of course. For real, it was the only thing that was generating money in their entire company was these two guys. Was the crime, yes. Was the crime, yes. So the traders weren't uh, even punished, let alone fired. 
and the board sent a fax to Louis Borget saying, quote, keep making us millions. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at least they're honest. Dude, yep. hey, like, there they, was a they, minute, there was a minute where, like, there was a genuine image of the future that felt very, very close of, like, an irradiated wasteland, uh, and there was just a marauding band of techno-barbarians, uh, and uh, the only thing that you can uh, see on them to distinguish them from the other teeming masses is the Enron logo, and it's the kill team, and they're coming yep. to round up all the mutants. <laughs> yep. So, not long after they realized, through this incredibly high-risk uh, trading, that they lost $90 million in one day. Mm. From these two guys. 90 uh, mil. $90 million fucking gone. 90 there are, mil in a day. There are, there are pay pigs that would give anything to experience that. Yep. 90 so, million in a day? Come 90 on. million in a day. So there's a guy uh, named Mike Muckleroy who was another exec that... Muckleroy? Uh, Muckle Muckleroy. It's, I'm sorry, is he not a garden gnome? Sorry, can no, you he's spell not. that for me? M-U-C-K-L-E-Roy. Mike Muckleroy. My name is Michael Muckleroy and I'm going to steal all your rutabagas. <laughs> a fairy is told need to abide by financial law. My name is Mike Muckleroy, and I must deny the sexual abuse allegations by my ex-girlfriend, the Pixie. Within this mushroom circle, the IRS has no jurisdiction. So, Mike Muckleroy, uh, he was a, another Enron exec, went to New York to see if Maestro and he had made a mistake because he knew that this dude's books were always fucking cooked. And, uh... He realized, nope, that was uh, that was actually right. Uh, they lost ninety million dollars in one day, so they were in the red by millions of dollars. It's, okay, so to be fair, who's gonna cook the books that bad? Who knows? Like we just so, casually minus. Well, I carried a zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, who knows? These are people blown up. These are people out of their mind on fucking blow and quaaludes. Yep. And, like, whatever, what any other fucking possible drug they could want to get their hands on. Like, you, I mean, you it was know, mostly just blow and quaaludes. Like, Don Simpson, that, that Hollywood producer that died with, like, 24 different drugs in his body. That's how these people are. They're, it's insane. Yep. So, uh, Mike McElroy then proceeded <clears throat> to bluff the market, or, uh, as I like to call, manipulate the market, uh, and ended up... <laughs> I'm he going ended to up. Visit a curse upon the I've cast a spell of illusion upon the American stock market. And uh, in that, he ended up saving the company. Clue, clue! I've saved the day. Yep. So this merger caused, like the uh, their their big main merger. Was it was a real problem because they weren't getting a whole lot of cash. The only thing that was making actual cash was these two dudes, uh, who you know were, were doing incredibly illegal things. So eventually, it was going to catch up. Yeah, like so their whole job was to just commit crimes for Enron. Yeah, That's and what they, they were did professionally. And they were they were building a massive amount of debt. Um, Ken Lay claimed to be shocked about this, um, but he absolutely knew the extreme risk that the traders were making, as evidenced by the enormous amount of daily warning memos that he was sent to what the traders were up to. Oh my god, I could just uh, imagine him just like, the IRS investigators walk into his office and he just kind of goes, I have no idea what's going on, don't worry about those memos that are on my desk. What? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, sir, we noticed in your, uh, filing cabinet here, uh, this, uh, th that the entire cabinet is labeled, uh, crimes, and then it's broken down, uh, alphanumerically, uh, as opposed to according to the Dewey Decimal System, but there's, like, uh, maybe, like, 50, 60,000 fucking individual documents here, uh... <laughs> You're um, going to jail, buddy. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Can you hold that? Can you can you hold that drawer open? I'm going to unrelatedly light this cigarette and and just. Uh, 
Oh okay. no! Hold it! Hold it open! Hold it open! I can't so, believe it. They even went through my filing cabinet, my crimes. It's, un- <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's un- they went. They went into my crime office, and they 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 ransacked it. They pillaged my crime office. It's unreal. It's you know what? Fuck it. I'm dating the episode. This is recorded. So shout out like, to the like, FBI. It just hours came out, like, after. Like it came out like literally like an hour ago. Shout Colin, out to the Colin FBI. We were sitting on Discord waiting for Tyler to get on when we were like, oh shit, Marilago got raided. Yep, big it's shout unbelievable. out to the FBI. They went into my crime. They went into my crime office. They went all they looked up my crime laptop. They opened it. They Every, ignored the do not enter sign. There was a do not do enter that. sign clearly stated. Jesus Christ. All right, Tyler, please. So, uh, eventually, um, these two were actually charged with federal crimes. Uh, Louis Borgette received one year in jail, and Maestroni received a suspended sentence. Oh, it's, is it because of the quality of a spaghetti? Probably. So, Ken, Ken Lay lost his two biggest moneymakers. Really, the only reason why Enron stayed profitable. So... Lay brought in a man who was young, dumb, and full of cum. A man by the name of Jeffrey Skilling. I Skilling. thought you were going to say Epstein. I really thought you were going to say Jeffrey Epstein. No, and I was Jeff- like, yes, I'm in. I'm my fucking third eye is vibrating. I'm ready. I don't know, man. I don't think he's that full of it. So Jeff Jeffrey Skilling uh, had a background in banking and asset li- uh, asset and liability management or as we at worst in the industry like to call a cuck came up with the brilliant scheme which is still used today by our wonderful wonderful friends ERCOT listen to episode 47 to learn oh, more about that our inbred cousin ERCOT exactly but regardless ERCOT. what ERCOT. they did was they decided to get into speculation instead of actually trading the value of the actual oil they got into the speculation by setting up, this was his crowning achievement, it was called a gas bank, which Enron would buy and trade the speculation mm-hmm. of gas and oil through a pipeline rather than the physical amount at all. Yeah. It would literally just be them being like, how much oil do we think is going to come through today? How, I don't how know. Much oil are you gonna it doesn't matter. Pump? So, um... Through yeah. this stock market of natural gas and oil, they became the largest trader of oil and natural gas in the entire country. And, and they were making... Sorry, it's, no, it's important to say that, like, what they're doing here, right, is, like, because commodities are, like... I, I said earlier they're the most volatile. They're the least volatile commodities. Because commodities are tied to, like, an actual physical object, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more difficult to manipulate a commodities market uh, because... You have to control the actual like resource extraction or production. Mm-hmm. Um, so what ends up happening, right, is if you don't control that production, the only way to increase profit once once the ecosystem stabilizes and all the people who are gonna hold onto those assets are holding onto them at least for the time being, uh, the only way to increase profits is to find a way to like artificially inflate margins or to make something more vague or to obfuscate something. And the way you do that with oil, like Tyler's explaining, is to base it off how much is, how much we're assuming is flowing through a given pipeline, not how much we're measuring. Like, you know, you can measure barrels, you can count barrels and- Yeah, but they don't care about that. Exactly, but but because like you're saying, they they can add this vagary, that's how they can pump in additional profit they can they can fill this gap that they've created uh by basically you know saying that reality is not important what's important is our understanding of reality yep so they were making an absolute killing off of this and one of the things that uh jeff skilling required enron to do before he started there. Well, actually, it was it was when he started there. It was a clause in his hiring that they were going to change their accounting practice. So, the Does that SEC mean they approved were add more crime. The SEC approved of this. This is this is a real thing. Okay, I'm gonna explain it to you guys. It's called mark to market accounting. Okay. 
Now, what mark-to-market is. Instead of them using the more traditional historical cost method of valuing accounts whose value changes over time, like liabilities and assets, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the value of a building changes. The value of oil changes. Everything changes. And instead of using looking at historical values to base the value of that asset off of, or as I like to call the actual value, you can base it off of a fair value, which almost has no meaning. You can basically say that anything is worth whatever you decide it is, and then that is its value. This is still a widely used accounting method, and almost even after almost 10 years of this, uh, after the fall of Enron, in the midst of the 2008 financial crisis, the SEC decided to not suspend this practice. It is still happening today. I mean, why would they? I'm sure it makes them a good amount of money. Yep. So through this practice, Enron was also able to log an estimated profit from an investment as an actual profit and then use that asset as collateral to value the company at. Now, I'm sure what you're thinking to yourself, well, this is market manipulation. They haven't made any money off of this investment. But the day of, they can record the profit of that investment based off of a value that they decided. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Tyler, they could make that money. Therefore, making the company more profitable and increasing their stock price. That's crazy, right? No, it's still fucking going on. Of course. So, uh, a hard example for everybody is, so, a state's building a power plant, right? They're putting a power plant down. Enron says, well, in 10 years, once this power plant's ready, we're going to sell energy out of this power plant for whatever amount per kilowatt hour. And then they can record that profit that day, 10 years before they're even fucking selling it. Speculation that's mar markets at their fucking finest. That's mark to market right there. And that's how Enron worked. So, Jeff Skilling had a very interesting view of the, how the world worked. His favorite book being The Selfish Gene, which is a, actually a, a pretty good book. Um, it talks about how competition provoked humans to pass on their genes to one another, and that's how the human race kind of kept expanding, is based off of competition. It's it, a that's, perspective. That's, that's a very, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a view of things i think it's uh of an oversimplification to just say it is competition there's a it a is of a unique... but could read the book yeah there's a lot to you it. know what that's good you know what there's Tyler, a lot thank you there's a lot to it i'm sure i'm sure there is so he wanted to bring survival of the fittest to the trading floor okay right. in the in the words oh of himself God. in the words of himself in the first semester at harvard that he was at uh when asked by a professor if he was smart he said i'm fucking smart i'm fucking smart uh, i would like to say now after knowing that he's a guy who was a huge fan of this book said something like that and then also decided that he would bring quote unquote survival of the fittest to the marketplace i'm against that book now i'm against any ideas in that book and i will refuse to read it all right so, in his early days, he started, a, he started his practice, which every year people would be graded on a scale of 1 to 5, 1 being the best and 5 being the worst, mm -hmm. by the PRC, or the People Review Committee, which was just kind of made up of, like, random employees. They were like, it looks like you're fucking doing this this year, Joe. So, this committee, uh, through this committee, about 10 to 15% people had to be a 5, and they would be immediately fired. On the fucking spot. This is now. This is just corporate. This is corporate culture shit. That's what this is. This is yeah. like. It's a little bit more aggressive. Well, it's, it's yeah, it is it is a little bit more. It's than, a like, little bit more aggressive. Corporate culture. There's but. honestly modern corporate culture very intense, very intense. The way they talk mm -hmm. to you, the way they treat you. Yeah, um, but it's, it's like uh, it's not as it's. You're right. It's not as like cut you off like you're fired fuck you like we can say fuck you that kind of thing no and it's not just made up of random employees who are like i don't fucking like 
I don't like Joe. He's a fucking asshole. Fire him. Depends. Yeah. Some some companies that especially nowadays there are some companies where that is kind of how it is where like if you can like report on people and like get them just fucking destroyed just like get them like fired yeah. very very easily well now companies do the whole like oh well we don't have uh we don't have titles here nobody has offices we yeah, all it's, work it's so together it's more difficult and it's, for you to identify your manager it's so as a common it's so enemy. that it's so that everybody is the same besides the fucking ceo so yeah, it's 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 part of the like fascist like <laughs> technique. You're you're all the same, but I'm more important. And then imposing their view, like you use our language, you use our terms. Mm-hmm. Like we're literally changing the way that you see your relationship to other people. Yeah, that's what that's what Enron did. You and make you think it's fucking ridiculous. And there, yeah, yeah. perfect example, Enron. So. Um... He said that the PR, or Jeff Skilling said the PRC was the most important practice that Enron ever did. Now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that a company that would stay, like, going up and up and up and up and up, keep getting more profitable, better every fucking year. Yeah, I mean, who's, with who's getting that rid of much? With getting rid of more than a tenth of their workforce every fucking year. Yeah, nobody's like, just, a just firing them, just getting rid of them. And especially because the people who you work with are deciding your fate. Seems pretty nefarious to me, but I guess uh, it fucking worked. The people who people who were on the committees were routinely given millions of dollars as a bonus for being part of the committee, and most of the employees at Enron were under the age of 30. This is perfect, perfect cult technique. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, excluding it's, one out of ten. It's Synanon shit. It's, it's literally it really Synanon. Literally Listen is. to our Synanon episode. Yeah. It's like the same fucking it's, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's young, young when they're kids looking for purpose. Like, when, when this was like the 80s, you Fuck said? It. Yeah, pump them full of blow so and quaaludes. This is like one of the first generations of kids, like, in America. This is like when, like, this is the generation of kids who came after, like, the first middle class, really. Like, yeah. the, the idea of, a, of, of being you know more comfortable in the suburbs yeah uh, lives. And these these are the kids that got comfortable with a financial um environment that was reaganomics yeah they, and, they were they were taught that like that's how it works like that's why we have this house because we, mm-hmm. this is how it works and then because they're like pr- like handled and processed their entire lives they don't really have like individual like desires or like feelings no, it's uh, just make money. Exactly. Make money. So that's like, it. they go to a place that like gives them that feeling of camaraderie that you're supposed to get through community. You're supposed to get through purpose. They get it from work because work is fucking crazy and intense. And work demands these things. And work makes me feel special because I have all these experiences that other people don't have. Yeah. And it's I, also proximity. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, even if you don't buy into that stuff, like, you know, uh, when I worked in the, in the corporate culture, like – even though I wasn't buying into it, it didn't mean that uh, it didn't work on me. Like, mm-hmm. it worked on me. I was just more of a, aware of it as it was. I was just, no. like, more c- conscious of it as it was happening. But it doesn't doesn't change the fact that you're subject to it. Yeah. Uh, to quote Jeff Skilling, he said, quote, uh, We have a tough culture. It's a very aggressive culture. And one former trader said, and I quote, well, if I'm on my way to my boss's office and I step on somebody's throat and that doubles it, I'll fucking stomp on that guy's throat. I love that shit. I love I love I love people that talk that way. I love guys that act that way because it's like they live to be they either they either die at like 42 from a heart attack in a bathroom at a steakhouse or they live to be like 99 and they're like uh <laughs> like zip tied to a segue on the Gaza Strip on like a propaganda tour that's being filmed by the IDF. So this is the culture that thrived at Enron. The macho slit everybody's throat to get a little bit ahead of the next guy because if you weren't doing it, somebody was doing it to you. So eventually Jeff would pitch the idea uh, and it would actually happen called Enron Online. 
which in the late 90s would use computer systems to manage your asks and bids and market positions without having to use a phone. If you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, you know what a, a phone-based trading floor looks like. It's a nightmare. Yeah, um, so they wanted to just do it all on computers. It's You're not talking to anybody, you're not doing anything. You sit in front of a fucking computer and you manage your asks and bids and market positions. By 2001, Enron Online was responsible for executing trades worth $2.5 billion a day. A day. And here they would trade, well, anything and everything that anything someone that wanted to trade. If somebody wanted to trade it, fuck, trade it here. So, Jeff Skilling desperately, desperately wanted to be viewed as a man who takes calculated risks. When in reality, he was just a sad man who was a degenerate gambler. Anything involving <laughs> taking risks, he was into. And to be honest, I don't think he could live his life without taking risks. He and his Enron buddies would take wild trips, including one to the Baja in Mexico, which ended up him needing 15 stitches to his face after binning a dirt bike, someone else flipping a Jeep and almost dying, and breaking the arm of another person. He fucking binned it? He fucking binned it. He fucking binned it. So, loser, bud. when asked about what he looks for in his friends, Jeff Skilling said, I like guys with spikes, and if you didn't have spikes, you weren't Enron material. One of his best friends was Ken Price. He was the guy selling deals to energy companies. He was the guy that they fucking flew out to talk to energy companies. Another was a man named Cliff Baxter, who was the company's chief dealmaker, who was, uh, also struggled greatly with bipolar depression, and another man oh, named Lou oh, really? Pai. Yep, another man named Lou Pai, who was actually the CEO of the company, and the man who helped make the first successful trades in Enron and went on to be the head of the Doom division called the Enron Energy Services, or EES, he was called the invisible CEO by traders at the company because he would rarely be in his office. And Jeff Skilling called him my ICBM because of how efficiently he would bring down anybody that slighted him in the least. Oh, like Rockefeller. He sounds just like Rockefeller. Yeah, yep. he really does. There was only two things that interested Mr. Lupai. The money that he made and the strippers he would spend it on. Fuck yeah. He would go to the strip club every night. Every okay. night, bringing traders with him, charging the whole night to an Enron expense account. Uh, he would bring strippers to the trading floor. He would bring strippers to his office. Like, it was just a fucking whirlwind of strippers for yeah, this the, guy. Yeah, the, like, two days out of the year that he's in his office, uh, which are yeah. the New Year's party and the Christmas party at Enron. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he wouldn't come to work. He would invite specific people and be like, meet me at the strip club tonight every fucking day. No, but I'm saying you said you he brought him to the everything. office. Yeah. Oh, he brought, yeah, exactly. The two times that he was in the office. Yeah. So, uh, one example of how this guy is, right? So, one night, this trader asked him, he was like, hey, man, how do you go home to your wife and she doesn't notice the stripper, like, perfume on you? <laughs> All the hickeys and lipstick yeah. smears. And, and Lou Pai said that his trick was that he stopped at a gas station on his way home and spilt a little bit of gas on himself. And then it, he would just smell like gasoline, right? No, just every time, you know. Just yep, yep. And, and, and she wouldn't notice it. And the trader asked, um, well, if won't your wife think you're fucking the gas station attendant then? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, That's Lou, Lou and everybody else went dead quiet. And then two days later, that dude was on a plane being transferred to Calgary. He's fucking gone. Fuck that guy. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's a funny joke, though. That was a great yeah, I know. joke. That's hilarious. That is a good one. That was such a good joke. And do you think, do you think, do you think, like, the next day, right, like, when that guy's on the fucking plane to Calgary, he go fucking freeze his balls off in some tiny fucking office, that they, they met in that boardroom again, looked at his empty seat and went, Yeah, he fucked up. So, once Lou netted himself about $100 million personally from EES... Do you think she'll uh, think I'm fucking the gas station attendant? <laughs> what do you think? 
What do you think? Like he'll say it and then they'll laugh and then it's it, they. they I hope you're a f- the joke. They just did it to like flex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're a. I hope you're a fucking Flames fan. Off to Calgary, so, bitch. <laughs> off to um, freeze your dick off in some fucking. It's like a telephone stall. It's like a telephone booth. Yeah, with a it's desk just a, in it. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, once once Lou Pai uh, netted himself a hundred million dollars personally from EES, uh, he just like. Like, people would call him about work, and he just, like, wouldn't call it back. He yeah, just, why would you? He yeah, just, he, yeah um, at the end, um, he ended up leaving Enron with the most money out of anybody, uh, about $250 million, a divorce from his wife, and a stripper girlfriend with his baby in tow. Ah. Ooh. Yep. A Habsburg so, man, I see. So, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there for episode one. Okay. All right. That's smart. Um, episode two is going to be... This was kind of the rise. Kind of the... Oh, this is the rise. The, 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 rise. the rise. This is the rise. And then we're going to talk about them being at the top for a little bit. And then it's going to fall. And then if I do three episodes, if I have to make that happen, I think I could make a whole episode about court cases and then um, the repercussions of what has happened after mm-hmm. um i i don't know it might be a two episode might be a three episode i guess we'll find out so anti-drug well, we'll laws see. in a few yep. weeks so that's uh that's the beginnings <laughs> of enron that's wild i love these guys these guys sound like friends they sound like good dudes yeah they sound like people with. i would want to hang out with like just imagine like you can't i'd go like, to the strip club with them the quality of life that these guys have right it's is an unreal level like quality of life right like it's you're you're waking up in the morning hungover right so you're immediately drinking a beer in do the, some blow in the shower some hair of the dog you're then you're a couple like, bumps a couple bumps maybe maybe have, maybe a quaalude take take a couple quaaludes just to mellow you out uh have a coffee black uh eat eat an omelet some more some more coke some mm-hmm. more coke uh, then you go, you go to, you go to the office, right? You fuck your secretary. More coke. No, you don't fuck your secretary. You fuck the intern, uh, uh, and then a stripper that Lou Pai brought. Yeah, then well, Pie then brought, you go to a power brought, lunch with Lou Pai, uh, <laughs> and you're like eating like clams casino while some girl's like shaking her pussy in your face, and you're like, "Thank you, yeah, this is a great lunch, Lou." And then you're yeah. like doing more drugs. You're fucking more blow, more, more blow, blow, more blow, more lewds, couple more lewds. You're, you drink like 16 martinis at lunch. You're like fuck. You just bombed on. Fu- it's like pure vodka. It's like vodka all the way to the top. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, I'll take a martini. Hold the vermouth. Hold the vermouth. Hold the ice. Hold the olive. Hold the water. Hold just double, triple. Oh, so you just vodka. want vodka? <laughs> I want just vodka, but I want it in a martini. I want vodka in a but martini. I want it in glass. a chilled martini glass. More blow, yeah, more blow, more, more blow, blow, more blow, and then and then if you make it back to the office, right? You fuck the in, you fuck a different intern, right? Uh, and then you like call your wife. You tell her you're gonna be home. Uh, you tell her you're gonna be working late, uh, <laughs> because go to the strip because club. you you woke up in your apartment in the city, and your wife and your kids live out in the suburbs in like a like a three story McMansion. Uh, yep. you, so you, then, yeah, then that night comes rolls around, go back to the apartment, you fuck your mistress, who is not one of the two girls that you fuck at work, uh, you also call a hooker, she, you have sex with her, you go out to dinner at a steakhouse, you do a bunch of blow in the bathroom, you go to the nightclub, mm-hmm. you do a bunch more blow in the bathroom, and then you, and then at the end of the night, you just pass out, uh, in your bed with your coke penis and your girlfriend, uh, uh, rifling through your wallet, taking whatever bills she can find. That's the life you have. Yeah. More blow, more blow, more blow. Like, and obviously those guys hate themselves, and obviously they want to die every day. And, like, like, living that kind of life, they only live that kind of life because it's the only way they can, like, numb, like, the constant agony of being a monster. Uh, If you're, like, a regular person, you either just constantly do drugs and, like, sedate yourself, or... You just indulge and you revel in it. You become like a real, like fucking animal, like uh, you know, like a Bill Clinton type figure. Yep. But yeah, it's uh, well, these guys are the most relatable to me. I get it. I get like 
you get you're like oh i got i got some money now i'm gonna fucking (laughs) just destroy my life love it love it well justin's not here justin left i don't know why that was uh a choice that he made i see you know when i last when you left tyler i talked all the way through that but i kind of just ran out of steam. i was just going to get a beer yeah you, yeah you i know i'm kind of out of past. steam too i don't know I, so uh let's go down, so i talk about popular front jake hanrahan yeah. Justin and i were talking about him and how Hanrahan's like, pretty cool. He's, I fuck with him. He's 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 a cool guy. I think he's very he's he's a really interesting guy, really good journalist. But I think one of the reasons I like him so much is he's kind of a douchebag. Because he's like he's yeah. a lad, you know? He's, yeah, he's, a, he's lad. a soccer hooligan. He's a soccer hooligan. He's he's a footy hooligan. Uh and and it like it never was so apparent to me, because like I've listened to a few episodes of Popular Front. Uh but like it was never so clear to me than that video that he put out like a month ago. Uh, of the Ukrainian uh, hooligan, football hooligan militia that's that they're anti-fascist oh, and yeah. fighting yeah. the Russians. Was <laughs> that for Vice? Did he do that for Vice? I, he posted on his on his own channel. I don't know if it was for yeah. Vice. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, it's just like because he's just a football hooligan too. So he's just like it's just a bunch of guys that basically look like. Him. Yeah, he's he's actually got a really. Uh, I heard his story about when he got arrested by ISIS when he was doing some war reporting. He got arrested he was... by ISIS? Wait, yeah. Wow. Jake, Jake Hanrahan. Oh, I mean, he got arrested by Jai... the Turkish police. Yeah. He also, he was he was held by the by ISIS for a little bit, he was, apparently. He was held by oh, shit. The, the caliphate? Yeah. What did they do to him? And Nothing. He was like... I, like well, what happened? He, nothing they let him go eventually well, why'd they re- like what was he do he's just like walking around they're like you're arrested now they were like what the fuck are you doing and he's here? like and i'm then... a reporter they're like you're no longer arrested yeah it kind of ended up like he just kind of like hung out with them and like talked for a while and then they were just like all right you can leave well oh. i think it was like they, they suspected him of being like you know a western spy and then they like... yeah yeah, and then they were like, "Ah, oh, no." He does. I know that was the problem. With, uh, he he looks Turkey. like he's too. Actually, mu- in Turkey was the opposite. He's too muscular. He looks like an operator. He right. looks. He looks like. He looks, he looks like a PMC. Yeah, he play look, Tarkov. He lo- look up a PMC he does, he in looks Tarkov. Like a USEC PMC. He, looks he looks like, like a USEC the, PMC. Yes, he looks like the default character in a first-person shooter. Yes, I understand. Jesus. Yeah, All he right. looks. Motherfucker looks like he's straight out of Call he's of Duty. He's built like a shit brick house. Oh my god! It's, what a, is. But what a dude, I had huge man. I'm, I'm kind of upset that I didn't do the episode about the Remington 700 because I had a great like opening bit where I was going to talk about like the Remington 700, as I'm sure that all of you have seen in uh, Call of Duty 360 no scope compilations. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh yeah, all the way in back in COD Four. Yep. Uh, All right. Well, thank you, folks at home, for listening to another episode of Worst in the Industry. Um, we will be back next week with another episode of Enron, possibly the week after as well. Yep. Enron. 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 We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Kisses. real low over one mil and it's still low they all corporate they all cute in suits yeah on bullshit with all that poop to scoop my shit going up i go root the roof they don't like that they won't mute the truth they gonna switch sides they go group to group they won't shoot the shit ain't got shit to shoot till i go crazy go and get the baby shark and hit him with the do 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 damn big boy you gotta shoot it with two hands couple john doe come through like who's man's